This program is brought to you by Pussy Magnets. Put a binge on your friends with a Pussy Magnet. Welcome, welcome, my lovely lumps. Or should I say lovely labs? I'm so thrilled to have you here in the Labia Lounge to yarn about all things sexuality, womanhood, holistic health, and everything in between. Your legs. <laughs> Ah, can never help myself. Anyway, we're going to have vag loads of real chats with real people about real shit. So buckle up, you're about to receive the sex ed that you never had and have a bloody good laugh while you're at it. Before we get stuck in, I'd like to respectfully acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm recording this, the Manang people. It's an absolute privilege to be living and creating dope podcast content on Noongar country and I pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Now, if you're ready, let's flap and do this. (laughs) Oh God, is there such thing as too many vagina jokes in the one intro? (laughs) Whatever, I'm leaving it in. It's my podcast. Don't panic, you're not broken. Your sex education was a piece of shit. Get your flaps out and pull up the couch. It's the Labia Lounge. Hello, my labial love bugs. Welcome back to the lounge. Today we are talking about how to build community wherever you go, how to deepen friendships and connections, um, and just the importance of this. So I've got a pretty cute guest today. I've got Jessie McCall. Actually, I'll just check. Am I pronouncing that correctly? McCall? Yeah, you got it. All right. All right. Oh, my God. I do that every time. Forget to check with people how to pronounce their name. So, Profesh, um, anyway, so Jessie is a full-time creative living in the Northern California foothills. She's been a professional photographer the last 13 years, capturing live music and underwater fine art portraiture. And, oh, my God, those photos lately are just stunning. In 2020, she created a conversation card deck called Naked Conversations, designed to promote deeper, more connected conversations between you and a love interest. Whether it's facilitating group photo shoots for women to dance naked around a fire or a tool to inspire interesting and curious storytelling, everything she does has connection at its root. Oh, that's so beautiful. I really resonate with that. I feel like I'm I'm quite similar with my motivations. Um, so welcome, Jessie. Yeah, thank you for having me. So I guess if you wanted to give us, just to get started, a little bit of a rundown, um, you know, there's there's a couple of, there's little green eyes and, and then there's the Naked Conversations card deck. So your business has a couple of prongs, at least that I know of. I'd love to know a bit about you know, your background with what you're doing with the photography and then how you kind of got onto the idea to create this card deck with um, all of these amazing conversation cues. Yeah. I mean, I feel like my uh, creative and financial endeavors are like a fork prong because I not only mm-hmm. do the photography, I um, own my home here and I you know, I have a housemate, so I rent that out. I'm a landlord and then I have an Airbnb. So I'm running that alongside. Damn. Yeah. I've got a lot of Instagram pages. (laughs) (laughs) Um, An Instagram for each business. But yeah, I find that like being diverse uh, is what kind of keeps me on my toes as well. Um, 
Yeah, let's see. I mean, photo, like my love for photos started in high school. I took a darkroom photography class and that mm. just inspired me so much uh, to just take photos of my friends. And it's I started out from a really like documentary lens. And then as mm. any creative progresses, you, I mean, if you want to stay on the path, generally people get a bit tired and stagnant of what they've been focusing on. And so then that's where mm. a pivot comes into play. Um, I always wanted to be around music. It was my first love, uh, and I was not going to be a musician. So if you can't do photograph, uh, totally. so that's I, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the world that I got into. And then I got a little burnt out and then got into underwater photography, portraiture as like a, I don't know. It's just, it felt like a, a true like 180. I had to focus a lot more on my directing and one-on-one -on -one connection versus being more of a fly on the wall. Um, and I just say with like yeah. every step that, along my creative path, I've always sort of, I don't know, like I've had like these check-ins with myself. Like, am I happy? Am I feeling challenged? Am I feeling like I'm really giving something back? Like what, you know, what is my relationship with what mm. I'm doing? Um, mm. and then, you know, the cards were born out of the pandemic and being stuck in an apartment in Melbourne for three freaking months. Oh, uh, fun. That's yeah, where I am. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the first lockdown I was in was in Tassie and it was on a farm for three months with my ex and his parents, which was actually really lovely in a lot of ways. I got yeah. in touch with self-portraiture and sewing mm. and like my real crafty side and then mm -hmm. um, we got back thinking the world is open. And then, you know, Melbourne. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. Clap back. Yep. So um, a little two bedroom apartment in <clears throat> Thornbury. And um, oh, my God, I was in Thornbury like during that lockdown at the same yeah. time as you. Crazy. High, high street. I mean, it's a long ass street, but it was. I was yeah. I'm like, what were we right by? I mean, we were right by the, not the co-op on the bottom, but the little co-op on the, on the top of high. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So yeah, I was in, <laughs> I was there and I was feeling um, like I was going to lose my freaking mind. And me and my ex were feeling, I just was feeling really disconnected in our relationship. Mm -hmm. And I had finished doing a course, um, a coaching course. I mm -hmm. think it was a seven month long program. And in that course, um, I was introduced to the idea of conversation cards, but it being Australia, I could not order them to the, to my apartment. So um, I just made my yep. own and didn't expect to make a full blown product, but then I sort of liked the challenge and I wanted to see it come to fruition. I was like, Oh, I'll order like 50 packs and give them to my friends. But then once you start getting into production, you're like, okay, minimum order is 500, right? Totally. <laughs> so yeah. And then it just, I, I loved the feedback and I loved um, creating this, this thing. And I was watching people use them and have, you know, better conversations and be more connected yeah. with their partner. And I had one friend mm -hmm. that used them and ended up getting a divorce. And I honestly think, and she was happy about it. You know, she got a lot of clarity. Yeah. So yeah. totally. Yeah, it's phenomenal what what can happen when actually mature, clear, honest communication starts occurring. Like it's it's so simple and <laughs> I'm always banging on about it, especially with clients that have, you know, challenges in the relationship and things like that. But I'm I'm just like, honestly, communication. It is at the core. It's just so 
fundamental, such a game changer one way or the other. But like, yeah, we're not mind readers. We need to, we need to be better at communicating to like gather information that will help us make decisions, help us feel a certain way, like in a relationship, help us connect. Like, yeah, it's just madness to me that we're also crap at it. And, um, and we don't get taught the skills. Um, so I find like the, the sort of, yeah, the conversation card games are really useful because sometimes we just, you know, people need an excuse and they need the prompt and they need, they need it to be almost gamified for it to be, um, less scary and more accessible. Um, and to have an excuse to kind of bring up a topic or to sit down and actually have like a real raw conversation. Um, so I think that they're such a great little tool to just like bridge bridge the communication gap and get the ball rolling and yeah that's really cool did you um come up with the questions yourself or like crowdsource through like your group of friends did you and your ex like make them how did you kind of yeah how did you make all of the questions up yeah I I came up with a pretty good list um I sent them to a handful of my closest friends and asked them which ones stood out But ultimately, Mm -hmm. I just sort of came from an intuitive place of what I wanted to ask and what I thought was beneficial to know in relationship. And then also the phrasing of the questions I have now since returning to the States, um, picked up a few decks. And sometimes I find the questions to be, I don't know, a little cutting or a little harsh or, you know, in my deck, I, I have like an expand section so that you're not just saying like, what is your favorite color? That is never, that is not a question, but that I ask. but it's like, well, for instance, like, let's see one of them, a very simple one is, uh, what is, it's like, what is a routine that you can't live without? And then I, my expand would be, and tell me why you can't live without it. Because some people would be like mm. coffee period, you know, the people that don't like to talk and and so, yeah. and if you're at all shy to, to ask them to expand, yeah. like the card is right there asking. Um, yeah. And I really developed them for, you know, people that might be just starting to get to know someone and then people that have been in relationships for a long time. And I find that the simple questions that people think they know the answers to already, I challenge people to say like, okay, well, why don't you answer what you think their answer is? And then they can tell you if they're right or wrong. And then oftentimes they can be surprised in that way as well. And it can be kind of fun to laugh about. Totally. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, um, such a thing where like we can get into a bit of a rut or just feel as though we know everything about one another when we've been together a long time. But you know, sometimes we almost like after the getting to know you part and, you know, like finding out the salient details about this person and how things are going to be and how we're going to roll together, we kind of just like snooze on that. And then, you know, years down the track, don't think we need to like broach certain conversations or or whatever. And I think that's, yeah, again, why these sorts of cards are really beautiful to just like yeah, give people an excuse to to revisit topics and um, elaborate on them because yeah, a lot of people are really um uh, they don't want to take up space or that like I was chatting to a friend the other day and you know they were just saying oh I often find myself like hesitant to talk about myself or to like if I've got a big story or something I want to debrief on I'll like talk about it for like maximum five or ten minutes and then change the topic back to the other person because I feel like I'm taking up too much of like their time or space or whatever. And so, you know, we were chatting about how I could best support them. And 
I was like, okay, well, do you need me to, do you need me to like ask really specific questions and like kind of, kind of like put you on the spot and force you to elaborate and just like really like make sure that you take the time and you know they were like yeah actually that would be really helpful because I don't take up that space on my own um and you know then there's the people that don't find um that aren't super verbal and or maybe don't find conversation super easy like it, it makes me think of um this is a different thing but it makes me think of some of the um like love on the spectrum, like these dating shows for people with disabilities and how they have like a dating coach that actually like teaches them how to have a conversation and not just to do one or two kind of word answers or like ask closed questions, but to like have a follow-up and to elaborate and things like that. And it's like, this stuff isn't just intuitive and natural for everyone, especially, you know, maybe in a new situation where you're a little bit anxious, you're not super comfortable with the person yet, you don't really know each other, and the nervousness is making things, like, extra complicated. So, like, having the cards, what a dream, you know? Just easy to fall back on that. Yeah. I also found in my relationship that like I'm a quality time junkie and he wanted to more do like activities and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I found that, I don't know if we could just sort of like get past the like, okay, how do I say this? Because a relationship has so many layers without breaking open our entire relationship. But we had some like we had a rough start in some realms and I found that like if I asked him a certain type of question, he could sometimes be like, well, why are you asking that? Or like, where is it coming mm-hmm. from? And I'd be like, I'm mm-hmm. just curious or like I just I'm 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 aching to connect yep. with you, not pick a fight or not bring up something. So if I brought the cards out, it was almost like like because when he and I would go to therapy, therapy would generally go really well and we'd have these very balanced interactions. Mm-hmm. And so I found that if I brought the cards out, it was this sort of third party in a way that yeah. wasn't like, oh, yep. well, what's the motivation behind that? And then he could, without <laughs> yeah, without any kind mm-hmm. of um, preconceived notion, he could sort of internalize the question and come back and it would and it was oftentimes very fun. And if I was feeling like I wanted to connect, he knew I'd be like, do you want to go to the park and pull some cards? And he would be like, okay, sure. You know, like it was just this sort of ritual or this space where he knew what he was getting Mm. into for someone who could be pretty avoidant and want to like, like, (laughs) like shy away from a conversation. He knew that it was a safe space for the most part. Like sometimes totally. some of the questions are sticky, you know, and they can bring some stuff yeah. up for sure. Yeah. 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 Totally. Amazing. Um, so yeah, the questions are sort of, I imagine they would still be like helpful and, and, and fun to use with friends, but they're mostly sort of aimed at like a love interest and like creating more intimacy there. I've got a, um, I've got a friend who makes a conversation card deck that was like the first kind of like where I dip my toe into conversation cards and like love them, but I hadn't really heard of them. And yeah, a few years ago, he made this card deck um, called Curiosity Cured the Cat. And there's like levels, there's like lemon and herb, medium hot and extra spicy. So there's like, you know, different levels of I guess, vulnerability or intimacy, um, you know, in the different categories of cards and stuff. And 
yeah, I just think it's so incredible when I've brought it out and often people are a little bit like, oh, that's lame. I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, but like, it's actually incredible if you can get, that's my, my trickiest thing, especially with like my family and stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, is getting their buy-in. But once they're there and they're sitting down, like honestly, like I've had groups of people where we've only needed to pull like maybe two cards and among everyone answering that and then that sparking a conversation and a discussion like it's been like a couple of hours of like amazing conversations and getting to know each other and bonding and we've only really pulled like two or three cards um and it's just like yeah it's just so powerful I've seen the kind of ripple effect of that and I've heard through him because he obviously gets like and you would as well I'm sure like people writing in and saying like oh my gosh I played this card game and like this is what happened and you know people people are like healing family rifts and like bonding with their siblings or their parents on a whole new level and um yeah it's really cool i just i wonder if you've got some favorite stories about like you know mm-hmm. the ripple effect of of this game and how it's kind of impacting your community yeah let me grab them they're like right behind me let me just grab them really yeah. quick so i can show you um I don't have the kindred ones open, but I designed them like just for the first part of that story of what you were talking about, about like, it's a bit clunky to like bring them out and be like, and now we're doing this, but um, <laughs> I've developed them. Like this one's kind of, this packaging has been to hell and back, but I designed them so they could sit out on a table, like amongst your coffee yeah, table nice. books or look nice. really beautiful with like a very minimal mm. packaging so that people mm. will be like, huh, what's this? Without you having to necessarily be like, let's do this. Because I do find that a lot of the cards look very gamified and it almost looks like you forgot to put it away. Whereas like I have Mm -hmm. friends that stack like their photo books and like a cookbook or this or that, like all on their table. That's Uh a very, that's like a styling thing these days. And like, these just sit so nice and they have like the gold. Mm. And anyway, I, I really wanted to make them very beautiful so that people would be like, huh, I want to explore this. And then once you open, mm. once you open them up, they're gold. Each one has oh, wow. a different illustration. So even if someone's just looking at them and they're like exploring the art, you know, they might yeah. be like, oh, let me like, let's look at this. And then they'll like, you know, look at this and they'll be like, oh, mm. how do you think our lives would be different had we never met? You know, I'm like, oh, <laughs> Like, and then they might be like, well, what, how do you think that? And then like, we were at a a dinner party the other night and I brought these and, um, somewhat this, my friend was shuffling through the deck and, and he's a lawyer and he was like, Ooh, I like this one. And he asked it to the table. What do you think constitutes a lie? You know? And then we talked about that one for over an hour. And then we really started getting into it because I thought that was a really, really important one for relationships because, some people are very avoidant and don't think that that's, you know, a lie, like yeah. omission. And I am, omission, yeah. I'm the off. I'm like, mm, no, nope, I need all the information. Thank you. But, <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to like, I just wanted to like show these and be like, you know what? They're, yeah. I, the beautiful packaging was a very intentional move on my part to mm. sort of invite in the, um, the avoidance a little bit or the totally. it's a bit sticky. But I would mm. say some Clever. of, Thank you. Some of the stories that have touched me the most, um, I designed this one for conversations with parents. And oh, wow. 
Yeah, it's an. Ex- I, I'm calling these expansion packs. I'm gonna come out with an, oh. one for dinner parties next. That's my next one. But right. this one was like really near and dear to my heart because I lost my mom when I was 15. I have an incredible relationship with my dad, but when I was in Tasmania with my ex, I was kind of watching the way that he interacted with his family, and I was just like, "You guys aren't." talking about stuff like you're talking Mm. about the news you're talking about the neighbors and you're talking about facts but you're not really talking about feelings or telling stories or anything like that and so I was like shoot man I really want to like I want to develop something so people can have these meaningful conversations before it is too late Um, because I lost my mom somewhat suddenly and I was also too young to like really have those conversations Um, yeah So I think it's important to not wait on this, but the ones like some of the most recent stories I've heard is um, my friend's mom was in the hospital with like a sudden diagnosis and they weren't sure if she was going to make it. And so I just sent her a deck and said, please do these, like, tell me how it goes. And, and I just saw her at a dinner party and she said it was, you know, some of the most incredible conversations they've had. Her mom did end up turning it around. She's out of the hospital. Everything's good. But there was really a moment where they thought like it might be the end Mm. for all of them. And just to know that they have that to sit with, you know, that they Mm. were able to talk as kind of friends in a way, but yes, also like a parent that knows you better. Some people, you know, Mm. I can't begin to imagine what everyone's relationship is with their family, but it's, it's a connection that I think is important to understand. This deck talks about like their personal history, which once you start getting into like epigenetics and like the transference of trauma, you can also start Mm. to understand like, oh, okay, maybe they were like that with me because they didn't get this from yeah. their mom. And so like, well, they didn't get, you know, love, let's say the love in the way that they wanted to receive it, like 80%. I got about 60%. So, you know, hopefully like you can kind of see like the lineage of, of how things mm. transferred between them, like between the generations, between the upbringings. And then, yeah, start to kind of put together your own puzzle pieces for your own journey through mm-hmm. healing and growing and then there's like lighthearted ones too that like inspire some creativity and and stuff like yeah. that because I don't want the whole experience to be heavy but um totally. yeah. yeah so beautiful it's basically like conversation therapy <laughs> communication the therapy yeah the yeah amazing so in terms of like you know because you do these really exquisite um, underwater photo shoots, like a lot of um, kind of, you know, flowing fabrics and nudity and, you know, that kind of aesthetic. And you've been doing some group shoots. I imagine that like your ability to build community, to foster like a sense of like connection and safety with the, you know, the subjects of your photo shoots and things like that is super important. And I've heard a lot of people describe you know what makes a good photographer when it comes to photographers that like shoot people especially nudes is like not really about the the photography skills but it's about like the people skills and how safe and comfortable they can make people feel and things like that so has that kind of like um up leveled your skills and the importance of of like creating connection and building community for you because you're doing more like group stuff in your art yeah. I mean, something I realized when I was doing um, 
like tour photography and getting to know these artists where I'm getting on a tour bus and we're just stuck together for anywhere from three weeks to two months. I was Mm. going to get better photos if I put the camera down and sat and talked to them over a cup of coffee or had Mm. a moment, like, you know, really had a moment to humanize each other, they would begin to trust me. And, And so there's this one group label that I have worked with for the last eight years. They picked me up when I was 25 and like just fresh, fresh and green (laughs) and and threw me into this amazing scene. Um, Their name is Above and Beyond and their label is Anjuna Beats. And it's been pretty amazing because as like a lot of their, um, a lot of their sub or artists have like stayed the same. And over the years, they've just sort of let me, they've, They've allowed me to kind of not pigeonhole. That's sort of a terrible term, but I really like doing the behind the scenes, the backstage, the like really micro moments. And they just sort of let me go now. They like hire someone for the big, the big shots Mm. with the lasers and the pyro and all that. And then they go, Jess, you just go backstage and do your thing. And then I'll like lock eyes with somebody that I had a conversation with maybe two years ago. And then they'll look at me and rather than get weird in front of the camera, they just relax. And I had this artist um, say to me at the last event that I did, he was like, you know, whenever I see you there, I always, I don't, I think he said, I always know that I'm, that it's safe or something like that because you never know what, and I, I felt so, I was just like, I didn't know you felt that way. Yeah. And Something, you know, it was something, it was something along those lines where I just felt like, wow, you know, like they trust me. They know that like, cause the photos that I send them, they're like, oh yeah, shit, I look good. I'm fine. Whereas oh, some yeah. photographers, I mean, it's a mix of both is my point. Yes. There's a, there's an element of like helping people feel safe and comfortable and they're going to be okay. And they're not going to look like crap. And then there's some photographers that take photos and I swear I'm like, huh, you think they look good? in that with their face looking like that, like singing, because, you know, mm. singing and being on the mic or being up there can be there's so many expressions. Um, mm. And I, I, I just have a real sense of how I think somebody there's an intuition there of how I think somebody wants to be portrayed. And, and so yeah. that's part of it. And so that's where it started in the music industry. And then yes, once you start getting into nude photography, and helping people feel safe, I really accessed access this side of myself where I was like, hmm, you know, what do what do I look for in my life? Like I'm looking for a lot of grace. I'm looking for space and I'm like looking for forgiveness, I think. And so that's sort of the essence that I try to put forward in these shoots where because people come up and they're so hard on themselves. You know, they're like coming out of the water and like snot is dripping out of their nose and they're like, <laughs> oh, I fu- like I fucked that up. Like I tried to do this and that and I don't know why I can't sink or why I'm not staying down there. And so I really come at them as like you're doing great. Like do not be hard on yourself. Like I'm just nurturing mother energy, like just really like big yeah. hug. Everything is fine. Um, we're going to create something beautiful. Don't put pressure on yourself. Cause I, I grew up with a lot of pressure. My mom wanted me to be like a straight A student. Um, I felt like I was never quite good enough. And so mm. I like with this type of work, I just want everyone to feel like they're good enough. Hey, babe towns. So sorry to interrupt, but I simply had to pop my head into the lounge here and mention another virtual lounge that you've got to get around. 
It's the Labia Lounge Facebook group that I've created for listeners of the potty to mingle in. And there you'll find extra bits and bobs like freebies or discounts for offerings from guests who've been interviewed on the podcast, inspiring and thought-provoking conversations, and support from a community of labial legends. So head over to the links in the show notes and I'll hopefully see you in there. And now, back to the episode. Mm, so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like oh, there's just there's something super special about coming together and working on a creative project or doing art together or or like I guess pushing our our edge and nude photo shoots and and things mm-hmm. like this like obviously like pretty edgy for some people and especially like these days where we're just increasingly isolated and disconnected like our social skills are suffering due to this and also because of like an increase in anxiety and mental health struggles and so like finding ways to connect and to bond and to engage with community and with other people like on a real level is just like extra important but I feel like sometimes extra hard nowadays and so I've noticed like you know if I'm running a workshop or a storytelling kind of circle um, or like I've been to beautiful kind of days where like you know you're having a crafternoon or we're doing body painting naked in the garden and then taking photos or you know things like this um, people love it. Like they love it and it just creates such an infectious buzz and deeper conversations and, and bonding than like, I don't know, other forms of, I suppose, yeah, connection. And I'm just wondering like, cause I know a big jam of yours is building community specifically through art or like using art as, as a, as a vehicle. So, like, I'd love you to talk a bit more on your experience with that and why that's something you're passionate about. Yeah. I mean, this is something that's somewhat new to me. I started offering these group shoots this this year. And because, I I mean, I was doing a lot of one-on-one or, like, one-on-two. Um, in Australia, I started by, like, bringing three people in. And I was like, oh, and, and the, the light bulb went off for me, I think, in 2021 when I brought three complete strangers together my friend um, Bella and then Leanne and Heidi. And they all just like, they stayed in touch after I left and they were Mm. still supporting each other. And I was just like, wow, this is really powerful. Like three people that would have never otherwise met, but then we, you know, I think we got food after. And it was just this like, you know, it was only a couple hours, but it was enough to create a bond Mm. and like a tenderness Mm. with each other that, expanded their network and expanded this like it was kind of this hug so then i came back and i did some group shoots but i i was rushing through them like i i invited some friends i wasn't charging or anything like that and i wasn't creating too much intention around it i just wanted to see what it was like to do a bunch of people underwater to photograph a bunch of people underwater and um And so I was like, okay, cool. Like I didn't notice as many bonds there and then i did a fire shoot in um May because you know you can only do underwater for so many months out of the year and I was hungry to get in front of the camera and I had a ton of burn piles because I own five acres up here and it's a lot of work um so I thought why not do chores and art at the same time (laughs) so I invited I think like nine women over and it was really cool like my one of my best friends I've had since 
fourth grade, like met this new person, Kelly, who I had never met either. Like I just put a call out on Instagram and I'm like, you know, if you're open, that's the, that's really the first step. And then we'll just see what happens. And they connected. And then Kelly ended up like moving on to Ramona's property because she needed a place to live. And so they had made that connection. And I think a couple other people made connections, but that one was definitely like a bit profound. And then I was like, okay, I'll do this as an underwater shoot. And then I thought, well, why not incorporate the cards? So I started this structure where like we spend an hour getting to know each other before interacting and taking clothes off so that people can find some commonalities and have these conversations because they're going to be interacting. And then I found that like some of the images, I don't ever like to ask people to touch underwater unless they want to. I, I acknowledge that as a photographer, I actually have a lot of power um, in the sense of directing. And so I try to be very conscious with that direction. I don't ever want to make someone feel um, on the spot or uncomfortable. And so yeah, I get a lot of consent when I'm in there. But I find that if we have that time beforehand, people are are much more open to experiencing that. And I would you know, I was like, hey, does anyone want to do like a hug or like a grasp underwater? And everyone puts their hands up, you know, because they're already feeling that closeness and they're complete strangers just like pressing their boobs against each other. And it's (laughs) some of my favorite images. Um, So yeah, yeah, I I do. I'm I'm like always kind of, I'm really inspired by this modality and this, this new sort of evolution. And I feel like it's not just about the art like the art is kind of like the you know the like like when you go on the on the roller coaster and you get the picture of the drop with all your hands up before you like fall into the splash you know this is this is sort of that like it's it's really about the experience as well um almost more so than the than the photos and then you get the photos and it's just like wow cool I get like what yeah. a cool thing that we all got to participate in and you get this yeah. beautiful documentation of yourself. So yeah, I, I just think it's, it's something I'm always playing with. It's, I think it's very magical. I'm, I'm constantly expanding on it. I'm sort of morphing from an underwater photographer to more of an elemental photographer. I'm hosting a shoot on Ooh. Thursday where I'm uh, trying to embrace wind, the idea of wind and air. Um, so we'll see how that turns out. Everything is just a, uh, you know, an idea in my mind before it comes to fruition. Um, and that'll yeah. be with, I think, 10 women and we'll see how that goes. But mm, Beautiful. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> okay. Amazing. Well, before I forget, I'd love to just slot in the segment, get pregnant and die. Don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die. Don't have sex in the missionary position. Don't have, don't have sex standing up. Just don't do it. Promise. Yeah. Do you have a story about your sex ed for us? Let's see. You know, I mean, I don't know what it's like in Australia. I, I know what it was like here in my little town of getting uh, our education between the grades of sixth and eighth. Um, I wish that they, let's see, when you brought, when you sent me this prompt, what came up in my mind? I mean, I wish that they would have talked a little more openly about STDs and mm-hmm. and kind of destigmatized it because there was actually a lot of fear mongering around it um, yeah. and, you know, shame. And it's just like as you get old, as I got older, I was like, wow, my friend that 
this is the second guy she's ever dated and she got genital herpes that like that yeah. doesn't make her a slut that doesn't make her reckless like she just was mm-hmm. a 22 year old girl dating a 40 something year old guy who didn't tell her you know mm-hmm. and they were in a long-term yeah. relationship and it's just it's I, I think that is a side that i i wish would have been covered or expanded upon um also i think the other thing that came up is um and I, and luckily now we're starting to talk about this a lot more, but the variations of sexual abuse and like, you know, I was raised thinking that rape was like holding you down, very brutal, like struggle, you can't get yeah. away. And so getting older and talking to friends and all of us sharing stories, it's like, ooh, it, it actually it comes in so many different shades um, totally. that type of, yeah. and it, and it comes from friends and it come, you know, like it can happen in so mm-hmm. many different ways. And so I wish there would have been more conversation and more education around that, because as you start to get older and you start to drink and you're in high school and men just think that it's like, okay to, you know, be aggressive or like, this is what the man does. Like, this is me mm-hmm. being manly. Um, yeah, taking a av- kind of taking advantage yeah. of situations where maybe someone would say no, but they are too yeah. inebriated or whatever. So that's that's definitely where I think um, the ball was dropped a bit. But to put it into, mm. I mean, perspective, I'm 33 now, so that was a handful of years ago that we were getting mm-hmm. that education. So um, you know, maybe it's changed a bit, and I hope it has. Mm, I think it's definitely gotten better and there are a lot more a lot more um, education programs at least here heading into schools to teach about consent and boundaries and things like that but I'm the same age as you and yeah it was it was pretty pretty much exactly how you described and there's so many things that you know happened or were done to me that at the time I didn't think was like counted as as sexual abuse or you know as unacceptable it was just kind of like normalized and um yeah and now I just look back and go oh my god if someone pulled that shit now like the amount even just the amount of like ass grabs in in at a party or in a club like it was so expected and so normalized and so you know quote unquote harmless and now I'm like fuck that oh my god like yeah so I think that's a great answer (laughs) I totally agree with that um so I'm wondering like if you have any tips or um suggestions for how we can like some ways that we can build community and invest in our community because like um yeah I think it's like a real skill I think for a lot of people it is it is it's got to be quite a conscious decision and an an intentional kind of approach because it doesn't necessarily just like happen naturally and organically sometimes it does but um you know I've moved to like a few different cities over the last couple of years and had to start completely from scratch and make all new friends and try to build community and I I had to like really get strategic about how I approached that um, because some of the places I was, you know, it was quite clicky, like country town vibes. Everyone already knew each other. There weren't like super obvious 
like avenues in or like common watering holes or or places you'd go where you'd just because I feel like if you've got a workplace or a school university like that you go to every day you see regular people you kind of build community and become friends but if you don't have that like I'm self-employed I work from home so I don't have colleagues you know I'm new in this new area I don't know how to crack in and I had to get like really intentional about um doing that because I know that I need community and friends and connection to survive. Um, So like, yeah, do you have any suggestions around how to intentionally build community and and make friends and, and deepen connection? Like, you know, say we've already got friends, but like we're not super nourished or satisfied by like the depth of the conversations we're having or the connection. Like how do we take it to a a new level? Yeah. I mean, Let's see. When I moved to Australia, I I really had my ex-partner and a mutual friend of ours that was very busy. Um, I only had a couple of friends and they were all his friends, not my like we were I I was building a friendship with them, but it was very much was piggybacking off of his life. And my God, was it challenging as somebody who Mm -hmm. came from a very socially robust um, Uh background here in the States. And I would say you know, as far as building a community, my biggest suggestions are putting yourself just a little bit outside of your comfort zone and saying yes to things. Um, For me, I used my art as a way of connection. So I kind of cold emailed, like I would find people on Instagram and be like, huh, okay, that person lives in Melbourne and there's someone I would like to know. But rather Mm -hmm. than just saying like, See, like I come from America. What I realized after living in Australia is you straight up can just say, would you like to get a cup of coffee? And people are so sweet and generally, you know, are like, sure, I'll get a cup of coffee. In the States, it's like, I don't really got time for that. No. You know, there's there's some things I miss about Australia, about how like kind, like even if it was just, I won't say false kindness, but like people were very friendly on the surface. Whereas like I'd call customer service and people would be like, I'd be like, hi, how are you going? And they'd be like, oh, I'm doing great. You know, it's a great day over here. Like, da, 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 da. how about you? And I'd be like, oh, great. You know, I do that in the States and people are like, yeah, fine. How can I help you? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, right. Cut to the chase. Time, time is money. Talk is cheap. Um, but so for me being in the States, I was like, okay, what do I have to offer being over there and, and coming from the States? I was like, what do I have to offer? Uh, okay, I have this art form. And I so I would just offer shoots for free with people that I wanted to connect with. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes it worked out and sometimes it didn't. Uh, there was one time where I asked someone and I showed up to the pool and they canceled on me last minute. And I was like, I like it. It sucked. Luckily, my partner was there. So we just swam around and I took photos of him and um, it was fine. But later she invited me. She was like, hey, like, do you want to get a wine up the street? Um, I have two friends in town. They're photographers. You should meet them. And I was like, it's funny because I was like, no, I don't. I was like, I'll go, but I don't want any more photographer friends. Like, that's not what I'm looking for. And so I showed up. And they are two of my sweetest friends to this day. I, I ended up not really forging much of a friendship with her, the gal um, that I initially connected with. But because she was gracious enough to just say, yeah, sure, come along. Let's get a wine. And then I mm-hmm. met them. Like one of the girls, Alex, has come out to, to 
hang out with me in the States twice when I went back to Melbourne last year. I stayed with them for two months at their house. They didn't charge me rent. It was so incredibly generous, like beautiful friendship that came from that. And that Mm. was just me saying, you know, one was me going out on a limb, offering something, and then essentially following it up with like a yes to a situation that was not a fuck yes. But I was like, meh, it's up the street. Why not? Let's just go do this. Um, And then alternately, like uh, some of the girls that were just in my last shoot, like have just moved to kind of the California area in general. um, And they were found me on Instagram. I don't know. I put out this call and they just were like, you know, I need friends or like, I want to connect with more people that are willing to do something similar. So the fact that everyone had the common thread of being willing to be vulnerable and jump in water is already like a Mm. great starting point. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it's just figuring out what your interests are. Like, don't go join a basketball league if you're not interested in basketball. Like I am not sporty. I am not like, I am not gonna, <laughs> I tried riding mountain bikes with my ex and I started and I wound up crying in a river because I just was like, I'm defeated. I can't do this. <laughs> so find something that's like actually an interest, like maybe it's pottery or something like that. And taking the time to really, and then when you're there, don't be a shy introvert, like ask questions. The best way to like get into someone else's group is to be genuinely curious and, for me, that comes quite naturally, but I find that for a lot of people, it doesn't. And sometimes, yes, that starts with like, where are you from? How did you get here? Where, da, 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 da. you know, you have to start with some very basic questions, but I, I sort of, mm. if I have a curiosity and I'm like, Ooh, is that okay to ask that? I usually just go right ahead and ask because then we kind of start cutting through the, the fat and yeah. start talking yeah. about something that matters to the both of us, hopefully. Excuse the interruption, my loves, but I'm shamelessly seeking reviews and five-star ratings for the potty because, as I'm sure you've noticed by now, it's pretty fab. And the more people who get to hear it, the more people it can help. Reviews and ratings help me curry favor with the algorithmic gods and get suggested to other listeners to check out. Plus, they make me feel really good and appreciated as I continue to pour my heart and soul into creating this baby for you. And I promise I don't maz over them or anything. I mostly just tuck them away for a rainy day when I'm filled with self-doubt and existential dread about being self-employed, which is fairly frequently. (laughs) So you see, leaving a review really does make a difference and it's an easy little act of support that you can take in just a minute or two by either going to Spotify and leaving five stars for the show or writing a written review and leaving five stars over on Apple Podcasts. Choose your poison, or if you're a real overachiever, you could do both. Whoa now. If you are writing a review, though, just be sure to only use G-rated words, because despite the fact that this is a podcast about sexuality, words like sex can be censored and your review won't actually show up. Lame. Anyway. Oh, oh, what was that? Oh, you're going to go do it right now while I wait. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great idea. May as well just quickly click that five-star button before we get on with it and, you know, like forget about it and get on with your day. Um, um, oh, I'm hearing them roll in. I'm hearing those five stars. <laughs> oh my God, I make myself cringe. Anyway, uh, thank you much, Lee. You're a total gem and I'll let you get back to the episode now. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's so, it's such a, like, I'm really grateful that I have this kind of skill of making new friends quite easily. Like, I'm so, so, so grateful for that because I am also actually quite introverted and 
you know, if I'm not in the mood and um, or I'm feeling a bit socially like burnt out or anxious, I just, there's no fucking way I'm asking someone a question. There's no way I'm engaged. Like I'm very like, you know, zero to a hundred. Like if I'm in a social mood and I'm like, you know, getting a lot from the interaction, I'm feeling good, da, 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 great. I find it really easy to flow with people and make friends. Um, and then the rest of the time I just want to hide in my bedroom um, and recharge. But at least I have the ability to like get out there some of the time and like be outgoing and, and social and make friends. But I really feel for the people that are super introverted, you know, maybe have a lot of social anxiety, maybe don't have a very large social battery because like, you know, uh, unless you meet someone quite compatible or who's like, you know, feels like a safe space or they somehow like a topic comes up or a conversation is sparked that's actually interesting and engaging for both of you and it flows, like there's there's a lot of ways where it can just kind of like fizzle and just just be like shut shut down and when I'm not in a super social mood or like if I'm chatting to someone who really struggles with that kind of thing or maybe they're just not that interested in talking to me or maybe we just don't have much common ground there's just it's so tricky to find something and then I just feel like really choke like I choke because I'm just like I my brain is blank I have nothing that I can think of to ask this person or start a conversation with and I feel like I'm you know just like super socially fucked up and weird and then I realize it's not it's probably not just me it's probably like both of us and that there isn't this like compatibility or like we're just not in the space to do that and and we're both probably thinking like oh my god what the fuck's wrong with me I can't think of anything to say I can't think of anything to ask this is awkward you know you're really Um, just two introverts that accidentally (laughs) came head to head yeah Yeah, yeah. well when you've when you've moved in the past how did you how did you get over that gap you know did you have a friend? Um, Did you have any kind of lifeline whenever you moved? Um, yeah, sometimes. I remember when I first, so like oh, ages ago, like 12 years ago, when I first moved from a little country town um, after high school, I moved to Melbourne and I didn't know anyone. I had like a couple of housemates who were also from this tiny country town I was from, but they were coupled up and they didn't really like to go out or do anything and I wanted to go out I wanted to make my own friends I wanted to get to know Melbourne and like I loved live music and things so I would just get these like um these free magazines that you'd find on the street they were called beat magazines and they had like a gig guide and like a few little you know this is what's going on in Melbourne and this band is playing and this venue is opened up and I would literally just like read the beat magazine and you know circle some gigs that sounded good and I would take myself off to like, you know, I'd look up, I didn't even have a smartphone or maps. I would look up the directions on my laptop before I left the house, write down a little bit of paper, how to get there. And I would either walk or ride my bike or catch public transport because I didn't have a car. And I would just go all around Melbourne. I made so much effort. You know, I was going out multiple nights a week and it was just driven through like sheer loneliness. Mm -hmm. You know, I was fresh out of a breakup. I I am I really thrive on connection and friendship and I was just like this is unacceptable to sit at home and be alone and like feel shitty so I just like forced myself out and I went to gigs where I didn't know anyone or I went to like a bar or a venue that I just wanted to kind of check out 
Um, and I would sometimes even, cause I felt like a loser, <laughs> I was like, people are going to notice that I'm on my own. I'd like, you know, I had this watch that didn't actually even work and I would pretend to be looking at my watch. And if someone asked, or, you know, I got chatting to someone, I'd be like, oh yeah, like I was meant to meet a friend here, but like they're late and like, maybe well, I just got a text. They're not coming anymore to make an excuse for why I was alone and I had no friends. <laughs> Um, and it makes me so sad thinking about that. Like I was so lonely and I was so heartbroken and I was trying so so hard. You know, I was so young. So young. Like that is like the pinnacle of our insecure like times is thinking that we can't just be who we are Uh in that moment. Yeah. Like now at 33, would you go out to a gig and say, Yeah, I came alone? I imagine. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Yeah. It's just different. I feel like that it doesn't dictate that you're a loser, like that you're actually (laughs) wildly resourceful and independent, you know? Exactly. I would wear that as a badge of honor. You know, I know a lot of people that don't feel comfortable going to something alone and, you know, will actually just not go to something that they want to go to unless they have a friend to like accompany them. And I just think that, you know, we miss out on so much stuff that we, could be doing if you know we just took ourselves there and enjoyed it because that's we what we want to do um because we don't have a companion to take with us and we think that that's like you know that makes us weird or it's too lonely or embarrassing or scary like a lot of people would be really scared of that and I'm like often encouraging you know people to take themselves out on dates and like get used to spending time in their own company and you know I think that's super important as well but Yeah, I just like really made it my business to meet people and make friends and I'm I'm pretty like proactive about like getting their number or like getting their details so that, you know, we can hang out again or we can connect. Um, There's all sorts of, I think like something that I noticed was like very, very valuable to like kind of tap into instant community. I remember thinking like, oh my God, if, if I were to ever like move to a new city, um, again, or if I had someone who had moved here and, and didn't know many people, this would be my number one piece of advice would be like, join a sports team, a recreational sports team. I joined a pub footy team. Um, and like pub footy, I don't know if they, I'd never heard of it. They have it in Australia. Um, the different local pubs have like, a mixed AFL, like football team. And like they have training, it's all like very like community minded, super loving and welcoming. Like, you know, you have games on the weekends and you play against other pub teams. And then the pubs themselves have like trivia nights. They have like, they watch the game. I'm not into sports at all. Like I, I like playing them a little bit. I don't really watch them. But if I chose to, that pub footy team, literally like the group chat was popping off every day. There was constantly something every night I could have gone to something every night. There was some, you know, different event or like gathering or and I was like wow this is just such an instant bustling community that I've just tapped into um and so like yeah joining a sports team or like doing pottery classes like finding a hobby you know there's like there's there's so many things that we can be proactive about and do but it it's just like getting the um yeah the get up and go to actually do it and that first time rocking up alone can be really confronting like for people I get that um but it's so worth doing you know and I think you're right like it's usually pretty essential that you get out of your comfort zone there's really no way around that unless you're just massively extroverted and everything like that is within your comfort zone but I don't know that many people like that yeah getting out of your comfort zone is pretty essential to um 
to building community, I feel. I would say like a tip to your story because I think for people they're they're like okay fine so I got myself on the tram and I got myself to a gig and now I'm just standing here and nobody's talking to me what I I was yeah. just thinking back to like when I shoot gigs alone oftentimes if I have my camera I'm like I don't give a shit like I don't I'm I'm not here to make mm-hmm. friends like very reality tv show but I I was thinking about like I shot this festival last year and I was in line to get food and I was like over hearing someone talk about something and then I just sort of like chimed in you know and they, and luckily it was it was welcomed and yeah, then we started yeah. chatting and we had a nice little conversation but if you're at a bar or a pub or a show or somewhere and you're all by yourself and you're wanting to strike up conversation and nobody's talking to you because you look like an unapproachable introvert which is unfortunately a thing i always find <laughs> that it's great to just ask a question like go up to someone and say yeah. like do you know anything about this band? Or like, even if you know some of the answers or like, do you know what time X da 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 da? Because I think people Mm. like to know the answer to things or it's start or they might be like, no, I don't know this band. Like my friend just dragged me here and and I don't know. Like you can kind of just jump off from asking a really basic question. At least it just opens Mm. the door. And then if they look like, hey, don't fuck with me. I don't actually really want to talk to anybody. I'm here with my friends. Like we're not looking for anyone else. And just go mm-hmm. up to someone else and like ask a different question. I mean, it's, it, yeah, it takes a little bit of courage, yeah. but you don't have too much to lose. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, yeah, asking the question or even just like giving a big smile, like just, just cracking that door open so that they know that you are approachable and that you are interested in engaging. Um, you know, unfortunately, like so many of us feel like we have to have a drink in our hand or like, you know, I know a lot of my friends, um, back in the day were smokers and they were like, honestly, mm-hmm. the main reason I do it is because out in the smokers courtyard, you've all got that in common. You can ask someone for a lighter. You can ask someone for a paper. You're, st- you're standing there having a smoke, which you, you've you got a purpose for being out there, even if you're alone. So you don't have to feel like a loser because like you're having a smoke. And then there's just this like camaraderie and this like natural kind of striking up of conversations that happens in the smokers area or the beer garden. And yeah. Um, I used to envy people because, like, I I don't smoke, but I would often just go and like stand out there, <laughs> like, because yeah. people are way more ready to chat in that environment. Yeah. My ex said yeah. the same thing. He'd come home from the bar and I'd be like, "Ugh, you reek. Why? Like, you're not." I mean, he he would vape or whatever, but he'd smoke a ton of mm-hmm. cigarettes when he'd go out, and I would just be like, "Ugh, why?" And he'd be like, "Well, it's how I meet people. It's the same thing." Yeah, yeah. but I don't literally. I don't dr- I don't drink a lot and I don't smoke. Mm. So it's, and I'm, I'm like, I'm I'm not going to break up with myself to be in this situation. Like I'm not going to break something that I feel pretty good about. So yeah, for those that don't have that little, that little door, that sort of crutch. um, Yeah. It's still totally possible. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't really drink. I don't smoke and I've, I've still managed to make it work. Um, And yeah, it is just about like, cracking cracking the seal and just like bringing up a topic or asking a question or just like yeah engaging a tiny bit and you know what like you can do that and then they might just give you nothing or give you a little bit and then that's it but like you initiated something you like cracked open the door and you know if they don't come to you that's okay but at least you tried um and sometimes that's all people need and then that encourages them to like you know meet you in the middle and then flow on from there um yeah, but it is it is so tricky. It's really like it's it's a learned skill for a lot of us and it's a deliberate 
thing that you have to like really try. It's a real real thing. And especially like the older you get, like my friend Ramona moved back from Australia. She'd spent 14 years over there. And then she just moved back to our town that we grew up in, which is where I'm at now. And I have all these friends from high school that I sort of stayed in touch with. But she was just like, I don't have friends. Like she was just like, I don't really like she had met a guy. They started dating, but she was just like, I don't know how to make friends. I'm hitting people up. They're blowing me off. They're being really flaky. I'm feeling really like sad about this. And I, and so it's a real thing. Like this is a conversation that is important to be had because I think a lot more people struggle with it than let on. Mm. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so tricky not to take it personally when you're like always putting yourself out there and you're trying to make the effort or you're trying to, you know, initiate a friendship. And it happens a lot. Like I go, I go to a lot of festivals and you'll make these amazing connections and have these great times on the dance floor. And you'll be like, Oh my God, we should definitely be friends and catch up back in, back in Melbourne or back in town. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, reality is like most people are pretty flaky, especially in a big city like Melbourne where there's just FOMO galore and there's so much to do all the time and people have existing friendship groups they have existing commitments like they often don't have time to just like carve out for you to like pop into their life and like you know because I'm like freshly back in Melbourne as well I haven't lived here for a few years and a lot of like my friends don't live here anymore everything's kind of shifted around I'm like finding myself with a lot less community than I would like um post covid as well everything like the sands all kind of shifted and now i'm like oh where the fuck is everyone like what are we what are we up to guys um and it's really hard not to take it personally when like you're trying to make an effort and you've just got like less friends and less community um and they've got like a full roster you know but like it's it's still worth doing and i I feel like a lot of people that doesn't come naturally to them, but they appreciate it if you chase them up and you kind of like you make the effort to consolidate the friendship because there needs to be like a few hangs before it like enters the territory of like, no, this is like an actual ongoing relationship now rather than like we just had a nice moment or we got a coffee once or twice. Like it's tricky to like, yeah, get get um integrated into someone's life and actually have an ongoing friendship it's like yeah my friend hannah calls them project friends you know Mm -hmm. hannah's just like yeah sometimes i just like decide that i really would be like get along with someone really amazingly and i like love what they're about and i like see them around or i you know and i just make it a bit of a project to become their friend (laughs) yeah (laughs) which i love (laughs) No, it's sweet because it's true. Like I'm quite busy here, but I do try to make the time to like get a coffee or or actually spend one on one time with somebody. And, you know, when I came back to Melbourne for this last visit of two months, I was like, holy shit, I'm going to see this person, this person, this person. Some of the top people that I thought I was going to see, I never saw. And I was a bit bummed. And then these other people I ended up seeing two or three times that I had done shoots with that I like was like, yeah, we're friends, we're like acquaintances, but then we just solidified that friendship more because they were like, yeah, I'll come to your neighborhood and we can go for a walk or I'll go to the beach or I don't know. It just really showed me like you also start to discover like you put yourself out there and the people that don't come back and meet you, you're like, all right, I'm going to move on. I'm not going to push this friendship, even though it was a nice moment that we shared. And then this person that's saying yes, like obviously we both have the drive to get to know each other. Let's keep exploring Mm. this friendship and like exploring what we have in common. And I was really surprised by some of the bonds that deepened even on this last visit. And I don't know. I mean, as far as like Alex and Nicole go, my first two like really deep, 
beautiful friends in Australia that were all mine um, and not Andy's, not my <laughs> exes. Yeah. They, they have such a robust friend group and they have so much going for them. So why they decided to bring me in as their project friend is beyond me. I should ask sometime, <laughs> but um, I'm like ever so grateful, you know? So if, if you're yeah. someone, if you are the extrovert listening to this podcast and you will have a robust friend group and you're doing just fine out there, try inviting someone new to your dinner party. You know, like I'm just, it's not just the person who's looking for the friends. It's like, it does take a communal effort. It does take someone being willing to be open to Mm -hmm. having someone in. And Mm -hmm. I do that. Like I have dinner parties and we're talking about doing it more here at my house. Cause I used to do it all the time when I lived in Portland and, um, where I'm like, you know, we always invite the same people. Why don't we invite those four people and then four others that are kind of random mm-hmm. that we don't really bring along mm-hmm. to many things just to, yeah, yeah. yeah just to see, yeah. just to build I mean, it a little bit more. Oh, there's so many things, so many fun, creative ways you can do that as well. Like we used to have, you know, a dinner party where the rule was like you had to bring along one new person. And so there was always like 50% people that were always there and you knew and then, you know, a few wild cards. And that was a really cool way of, I you know, do and this often- for dating. I want to do this for because yeah. I've got a lot of single girlfriends and I'm also like there's some single men out there, but I want to be like, okay, you couples bring a single friend. We're going to bring like, you know, mm. like just single people mm. or something or yes. like the majority single rather because I'm often like the one single person with six or like you know six other people that are all coupled up together and it's like okay great fucking oath i'm so about that plan i feel like as a couple like it's it's your duty to like yeah outsource some single like come on pull your weight like Mm -hmm. we need i want more blind dates i want more like friends playing cupid i'm sick of the dating apps like let's like humanize it again yeah yeah i'm all about that um so before we wrap up do you have a tmi story for us jesse Ooh, can you give me can you like elaborate on that a little bit more i mean hmm. sure i've got a i've got a million of them but <laughs> totally uh okay well sometimes people have like period bloopers or sex stories dating stories um you know sometimes it's about um it's actually about like really dark times they've had in their mental health or um you know the first time they started touching themselves when they're a child or it could be really anything that's like usually a bit tmi yeah (laughs) i've I've got one i was just um, i went to this show the other night and i was just i used to be very embarrassed about this story and I will tell it now to have it memorialized yes. for all time. Um, we love this. <laughs> yeah. Hey, me again. If you'd like to support the potty and you've already given it five stars on whatever platform you're listening on, I want to mention that you can buy some really dope merch from the website and get yourself a labia lounge tote, tea, togs. Yep, you heard that right. I even have labia lounge bathers or a cute fanny pack if that'd blow your hair back. So uh, if fashion isn't your passion, though, you can donate to my Buy Me A Coffee donation page, which is actually called Buy Me A Soy Chai Latte, because I'll be the first to admit, I'm a bit of a Melbourne cafe tosser like that. And yes, that is my coffee order. (laughs) 
You can do a once-off donation or an ongoing membership and sponsor me for as little as three fat ones a month. And I also have a Sunroom profile over on the Sunroom app, as I've mentioned. And I also offer one-on-one coaching and online courses that'll help you level up your sex life and relationship with yourself and others in a really big way. So every bit helps because it ain't cheap to put out a sweet podcast uh, into the world every week out of my own pocket. So I will be undyingly grateful if you support me and my biz financially in any of these ways. And if you like, I'll even give you a mental BJ with my mind from the lounge itself. Saucy. Um, I'll pop the links in the show notes. Thank you. Later. I just met this band, uh, Group Love. They've got like a song on the radio, but I was mm-hmm. talking to them and I was like, wow, I can't believe I'm going to tell this story. But there is a rule. Um, it This goes very well with people that work in the music industry or that tour because there is this rule that you are not allowed to poop on the tour bus. No number twos, <laughs> not for Jack Johnson, not for anybody. I don't know what Oprah does. <laughs> I think there was some kind of poop story with Oprah's tour bus, but like for the majority, even some of the bigger, biggest people in the industry, you cannot poop on the tour bus. And I cannot tell you why. I, I don't I do not know. It's a smelly thing. One time someone pooped on our tour bus and the bus smelled for like three weeks. So anyway. Oh, um so I was on tour in uh, Europe with this artist, Gregory Allen Isakoff, and we had this very kooky bus driver with this old double-decker bus. And it was a very cool bus that he brought from his property. He raised huskies. Like, I'm just painting a picture. Like, we call his name was Toon. He had this big white hair. Anyway, he was like, sort of like he was funny, but also sometimes it was like, don't wake Toon up. Like, he's scary. Like, you didn't know what you were going to get. And, um, and so the night before we had been like drinking a little bit on the bus and, um, for whatever reason, I don't know, eating sugar. I had been on the bus for maybe a week and a week and a half. Like my jet lag had set set in a bit. I was fine. I was getting over it and I knew we were waking up in Paris. And so, um, we woke. normally you wake up and you're outside the venue. You can get off the bus. You can go use the facilities, whatever you need. But I woke up at like, 5 30 in the morning six in the morning and we were in a parking garage in paris and the bus was locked there was no way to get off the bus which is a fucking hazard i don't know oh, but i wow you were locked in because mm-hmm. he assumed we were all asleep like most of us had gone mm-hmm. to bed at i don't know two in the morning or something and uh, my friend max is tall enough that he I asked him later, but he had crawled out of the fire escape, which was like on the top of the bus, but I'm too (laughs) fucking short to get out of that. So I, I woke up and I had the urge and I was like, I, this is not suppressible. Like I have Mm -hmm. to go Mm -hmm. and I don't know what I'm going to do. And so because this was not my first, uh, trip around the sun I had planned for this because one of my biggest fears, and I love this about life fucking love this about life one of my biggest fears was having to shit on a tour bus and not having anywhere to go and so of course the universe was like here you go girl here's your big here's one of your silly ridiculous fears that isn't like death or you know Mm -hmm. something actually catastrophic some silly little thing that you're embarrassed about here you go so anyway i had prepped I had done a Google search before going on this tour and I found these bags that they use in like bedpans essentially and in hospitals. And they're, they're just a thick, shallow, 
um, trash bag that has like a absorbent <laughs> layer in the bottom. And so I brought a couple oh of these God. and I, and I jokingly called them the Oh shit bags, which I, oh on, I God. really, I want to like trademark them and give them to all of my friends, oh, that tour. <laughs> you know, they could be different colors, whatever yeah. sparkles. But, um, so I grabbed one of these bags. I like thanked paranoid my paranoid self that was in the States because the other thing leading up to this trip is I didn't realize that, um, or I had just figured out that I was lactose intolerant. So I had had all these stomach problems leading, (laughs) leading up to going on this tour. So I was actually very nervous because I had like just started feeling, um, I had had like my first two anxiety attacks. Like I had had all this stuff and I had no trust in my own body. I would be in like a small space and then I'd be like, Oh my God, my stomach. Like I used to eat a block of cheese for dinner. So mind you, Finding out that I was lactose intolerant, there were there were some growing pains in that because <laughs> things just sort of develop in life. And so leading up to this tour, I was like, what if I have stomach issues and I'm on this bus? And then, you know, my level head itself was like, that will never happen. But just in case, bring a couple of these bags. So, yeah, anyway, I ended up having to utilize the bag. I had nowhere. The only place I had to throw it away was on the tour bus, like in the regular trash. So I oh tied gosh. that. I double bagged it, like tied it up real tight. I mean, it was not bad. Like, it's <laughs> not like I had to like pop a squat in the freaking hallway. Like you take the bag, TMI, you take the bag and you like put it over the toilet and you yeah, cool. can use the toilet normally. But, you know, anyone who river rafts or like gets out in the world, like you get used to pooping in weird places. But totally. this was one of those things where yeah. I'm the only girl on the tour bus. And of course, I like want to be cool. I don't want to be like the gross girl that shit in a bus and threw it in the trash or whatever. So <laughs> I didn't tell anyone until well after the tour. This was in 2017. So there's enough space and I'm older now that I don't give a shit. But yeah. So now I'm like, I was telling this to the the guys of group love and they were cracking up because once you're in that position, you're like, yeah, that's totally feasible. And also that's brilliant. So that's absolutely brilliant. That's my, but you have those bags three. with you. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. That's, that's very incredible that you were so prepared and, um, you know, with like such a specific shaped bag that is designed exactly for that, that would fit over the toilet seat and I mean really like pretty pain-free obviously mm-hmm. in the moment total nightmare and the double bagging and having to put it in the bin like oh my god like you'd be so nervous until that that bin got emptied and you just didn't have to worry about it coming back for you but uh yeah love that thank you so much for sharing <laughs> good yeah, story no, no big deal but for those for those of you out there whether you're a groupie or someone who works on a tour bus does not hurt to have a bag right just tip. in case you wind up in a Parisian parking garage at 6.30 in the morning when nothing would be open anyways. Dude, absolutely. That's such a fucking good tip. It's it's just nice to be prepared because I know that that type of anxiety very well. And like when I've got a shit, I've got a shit. Like it mm-hmm. does not go away for anyone. Like I've been in some very dicey situations where my body has betrayed me so that's um that's a really helpful and practical tip I'm sure for lots of people (laughs) even just like not even on a tour bus but on like a I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of instances that that would be really really handy anyway so I'm conscious of time, so we're going to wrap up here. I'm going to put your links in the show notes, and I know that you've got 
um, 20% off the Naked Conversation card decks for people that sign up to your mailing list. So I'll, mm-hmm. I'll put the link for that there and everything as well. Did you have like, a, and I know this is probably an annoying question because I hate it when people ask me like, what's your favorite movie? But do you have a favorite question card that's in there or like one that springs to mind to just like mm-hmm. give us a taste and, you know, potentially answer? Yeah, you think I would know all of them by heart. I don't, but I, and I would say it constantly changes. I really like the ones um, from the Naked Conversation deck that are a check-in on the relationship where it's, uh, one is like, where have I dropped the ball recently? Um, Mm. And maybe the follow-up to it is like, and how can I do it differently? Or like, when is a time that in the last week where, Oh, I think it was like or where you felt appreciated by me or something. You know, there's a there's a space to yeah. give gratitude and then there's also a space to give mm. like constructive um feedback yeah. in a really delicate form without it being like, hey, you, you didn't do this, or blah, 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 like the barking thing that can start yeah. to happen in relationships. It's like, hey, we're having a cup of tea. And how about we just debrief about some things here? I think those check-ins are so vital. Like even if you just mm. took, I think there's like at least five cards in the deck that I think are crucial that you could pretty much ask at least once a week, if not a couple yeah. times a month, that would be really yeah. beneficial to the health of a relationship. Yeah. Beautiful. Fuck. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to get myself a deck. I don't have a deck. You have to send me one. It sounds know, yeah, right up my alley. <laughs> and I have to apologize to everybody in Australia. The shipping is atrocious. I can't, I wish I had a workaround, but until I'm some big corporation, it costs like $50 to ship over to Australia, Whoa. which is nuts. And I used to have uh, my friend Ng has a shop, Whale Song Shop, and I, she might have a couple decks, but I will say that they are in the process of getting listed on Amazon right now. And I know that Australia still has its limitations with Amazon, but. Um, that might be a new bridge. So I will see mm. how that works with ordering them overseas through Amazon. And that might cut back on the shipping and make them more accessible. Yeah. All right. Great. Love it. Yeah. Beauty. Well, thank you so much, Jesse. It's been great yeah, chatting. Thank you. So nice. Rock on, everyone. And that's it, darling hearts. Thank you for stopping by the Labia Lounge. Your bum groove in the couch will be right where you left it, just waiting for you to sink back in for some more double L action next time. And in the meantime, if you'd be a dear and subscribe, share this episode, or leave a review on iTunes, then you can pat yourself on the snatch because that, my dear, is a downright act of sex-positive feminist activism. And you'd be supporting my vision to educate, empower, demystify, and destigmatize with this here podcast. Also, I'm always open to feedback, topic ideas that you'd love to hear covered, or guest suggestions. So feel free to get in touch via my website at freyograph.com or say hey over on Insta. My handle is Freya underscore graph underscore YMT and I seriously hope you're following me on there because damn, we have fun. We have fun. Anyway, later labial legends. I'll see you next time.